Welcome to Talk Pop C. My name is Carolina Flores, and I'm the resident philosopher. And I'm speaking with uh, Steve Hansen. Um, hi, Steve. Welcome. Hey. Uh, what do you do? Uh, well, I used to work for a gallery, um, and I just got laid off, unfortunately, because of COVID. So, but I worked in the arts and museums, and um, yeah, that sector. So, is that what you're hoping to continue doing? Oh, I don't really know. I mean, um, this is kind of like a crossroads for me now. So I'm gonna, I'm still going to Brooklyn College, and we'll see. Maybe I'll change directions, and not sure. <laughs> so. Uh, but you've been like in the art world uh, for a while, um, and they're like very familiar. Yeah, I used to work at um, National Gallery of Art in DC, um, MoMA. I worked at um, Phillips Collection. I've worked at a lot of different different museums. So, <laughs> and now I just finished working at David Zorner. So, pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so would you say that you like really love museums? Uh, I do enjoy being in the museum setting and uh, I do like the way um, kind of people are able to choose their own adventure in a museum is one of the things I really like about a museum. Um, galleries are a little different because it's kind of like everything's uh, curated for you in a special way. But in a museum it is curated for you but you kind of have a little more I guess of a um, uh, like I said choose your own adventure kind of like think so <laughs> you can choose what you want to see and what you you know don't really interact with and decide if you want to come closer and look at it you know in depth or if you want to walk away from it and go see something over there or you know everyone always has their favorites and their least favorites and yeah so that's interesting it means that uh people in museums like they're in the same space but they can be sort of having like really different experiences and mm -hmm. presumably come away with like really different like lessons yeah for sure um that's... is that a thing that you were thinking about a lot kind of the uh realm of like possible experiences and lessons people could gain from going to a museum um yeah, I mean that's. Um, I always used to work at the like at the front desk, so I was kind of like the first person that people would see coming into the museum. So, a lot of the time, people would come in and they wouldn't really know. Um, you know, they would just see in a guidebook that they were supposed to come and see the museum, and they weren't really sure, like what. Um, I guess what artists were there, or they knew like the big heavy hitters and everything. But um, for me, it was really one of the parts of. The, um, working the front lines was that um, I was kind of able to determine what kind of what people like and what they want to see and then kind of help them tailor a kind of a visit um, so like you know someone would come up and be like oh I only have an hour what should I see or like um, I like this artist or I want to see this painting so um, but I like about like in the museum working in the museum it was great because a lot of the time people would come across artists as they not they necessarily wouldn't um, know or they would connect with something that they weren't planning on connecting with which is really cool um, and in the gallery sometimes not I mean doesn't happen as frequently just because it's um, like I said it's usually a smaller space or um, yeah usually like the um, the programming is very specific so the museum it's a little more um, depending on the museum of course but it's a little more um, multifaceted I guess you could say so so I'm hearing one of the things that you think is awesome about museums is the like, yeah, this like both diversity of experiences people can have and also mm -hmm. the fact that people can encounter new things that they weren't expecting. Mm -hmm. In general, what do you think, um, like two questions, like why do you think people go to museums and like what do you think is valuable about going to museums? Like why should people go to museums? Of course, we mm. can't go to museums right now, but you know, in the future. Yeah, that's, that's kind of a tough question, like thinking of like what's happening now. Um, 
because it's just like uh, I think people rely, especially in a city, rely on museums as like a kind of like an outlet to kind of just get out of the everyday. And without that, I don't know what's going to happen. But um, I think the museum really has a big challenge on its hands right now and how to like safely kind of uh, take like biosecurity measures to make sure everybody's kind of feeling comfortable being there. Um, but I think I guess to your original question, um, the museum for, I think it's important because um, uh, it, well, I think the idea is, this is a really, really difficult time because I think the museum's kind of redesigning itself and what they, what, you know, their vision and all these new um, directors are being appointed, you know, and, and there's like a kind of a, sh a thought shift which is taking place in museums. And, and so it's kind of hard to, kind of hard to answer that now because a lot of museums are trying to figure out how, where they want their programming to go and how they want their programming to change to kind of adjust to the time period we're in. Um, so that's kind of like a loaded question really, but I think it's an important, I think it's important for people to um, be exposed to museums just because, um, you know, uh, a lot of the time you can go on your phone and Google something and I don't think it's like the same experience as if you were in front of it in person. And I think when you're in the space and you see something in front of you on the wall or lit in the right way, you can see the paint texture, you know, that kind of thing, or you can see the, the pixels of the photograph or something or the, the, the texture of the sculpture. I think it's a little bit different of a, a sensory experience as opposed to like if you're looking at it on a phone or screen and you're trying to swipe and tap and whatever. And yeah. Yeah, this is a really interesting conversation to be having right now because I think for lots of us, a big um, kind of new experience uh, in the pandemic has been realizing how important things in-person experiences are. Totally. Um, and I think maybe thinking through that in the context of museums is yeah. really interesting. So it seems like there's a few things going on with museums. There's a sort of you're in this space where you can choose your own adventure. Mm -hmm. um, it takes you out of the ordinary, out of your usual space, out of your usual life um, yeah. Yeah. and then um, and then you also pointed out all these ways in which seeing engaging with artworks in person allows for a different kind of like sensory yeah. Um, experience yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, those are like really interesting points about like why museums matter and also like why in-person experiences matter so much and why maybe so many of us felt so unsettled by suddenly being yeah. like in our apartments that we could still <laughs> just like communicate with our friend like you yeah. know we could go on zoom calls yeah. and maybe look at uh artworks online but somehow it's like i think a lot of us had the experience of like it felt like something was lacking yeah right do you have yeah. like insight on what you think is lacking? I find that a really puzzling question. Yeah, it's like hard to get your finger on it. it Something is. is lacking, but yeah, what is it? To be completely honest, I think it's just the being in the physical space because, you know, you can kind of create, recreate it in virtual reality, but you're not really in the space. You're not really smelling the smells and hearing the sounds like, you know, you're hearing it through uh, headphones and seeing it on a screen and on over your eyes or something. But I don't think that you're in the space and I don't think you're experiencing, um, uh, like I said, like the sounds and the, you know, also being, it's also a social kind of experience and that's something that's also lacking and um, that's something that's not really going to be able to be replicated unless, um, well, I don't know. It's, it's just, it's like you're saying, it's a really tough question to kind of, to, to hammer down. So, <laughs> yeah, um, it seems that, 
um, one thing that's just like really important about museums and maybe about how we engage with art in general is like it's an embodied experience. Yeah. The one reason why that's interesting is because um, our theme is like art as cognition mm -hmm. and there's um, a way to read that where it sounds like, oh, it's sort of about art and things going on in the mind where the mind is like yeah, the yeah. separate thing from the body. But it looks like a thing maybe we've learned during COVID is really that that's not true, yeah. that it's like art as cognition, but cognition as this like embodied yeah. process that um, really needs us to be in certain spaces and moving in certain totally. ways. Yeah, I think that's something that this kind of whole thing has really shown us is that it's art is cognition, you know, art is cognition. Uh, so uh, when we talk about art as cognition, it kind of, uh, you know, you have to realize that um, the brain is using multiple input, multiple like forms of input to formulate that experience. And I think when you take parts of that away, it's a different experience. And so then you get different pieces of information that you receive in a different way. And then that's it's like, you know, for, like, for example, like Google Arts and Culture, it's really great because, you know, you can like pinch and zoom onto a painting and see that's the the. Um, the like the luster and the, the the crackles of the of the paint and you know that kind of thing and you can see the brush strokes and everything but it's just you know it's not the same as being able to kind of like um to see to see it um with your own eyes i think that maybe the experience of viewing on a screen as opposed to viewing in you know in real time is a lot different of a of a, of a, a sensory experience yeah. so so yeah, um <laughs> Um, let's just try to keep getting clearer on this like importance of yeah, embodiment yeah. and being in a space thing. So do you think that, um, imagine, uh, and this might happen soon-ish, um, imagine we came up with really good VR technology, virtual mm -hmm. reality technology, um, where you could just put on this he like headset or maybe like, I don't know, full body suit. <laughs> um, and uh, it would feel from the inside um, as if you were in contact, you know, as if yeah. you were like walking from museum. Mm -hmm. Do you think that that experience that that would be like just as valuable or do you think that there'd still be something mm. like lost well that's tough because i think it's person to person you know i think a lot of the younger generation are so used to um you know digital everything a lot of like everything being um uh, everything's kind of like it's, it's it's like second nature every like the digital age has just been it's so far advanced to younger people that i think for them it'll be really easy to adapt to that but for you know, like older people who were introduced to the internet and, and computers later on in their life, it might that might be a little bit different of an experience. Um, so I can't think it's just like candidate by candidate. But um, for me, I think it would just be a different experience and um, not as enjoyable. But that's probably just because, you know, I worked in museums for so long and I got so used to that environment and how it should, should be and what the museum is trying to to like the, the visitor this is the whole term the um visitor experience like they've changed the word visitor services to visitor experience and um now everything is like all about your experience in the museum so that kind of leads like uh leads to you know the goal of the museum to like create a full overall experience for the person and i think a vr experience um may be a little different but um i know that you know, a lot of museums and galleries are experimenting with that technology now, and it's, you know, pretty well received, but um, I, I don't know. I, like I said, it's probably person to person because it's just some people really like um, technology, and it's just kind of like video games. Some people really like playing video games, and some people really don't. So, I mean, um, it's just it's a kind of a tough question to answer, but I think that the experience for me personally would just not be as well-rounded, you know, but... 
Like I said, I'm kind of biased. So, so one thing that's <laughs> interesting about what you just said is, I think earlier on it sounded like, you know, oh, um, embodied experience, being in a space, actually getting access to these like more subtle sensory properties like yeah. luster and illumination and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. It kind of sounded like that was universally important. But yeah. one thing that you're bringing up is that a lot of it might just depend on um, what you're used to, what you feel comfortable with. Yeah. Maybe younger generations and generations in the future will actually like prefer to yeah. engage with the world with like, you know, receiving less exactly. information. Yeah. Um, Maybe, you know, it's like maybe some people will end up preferring, I think this is already true, just like texting someone yeah. which gives you very little information compared yeah. to an embodied right. interaction. Totally, totally. Um, so it might be that how we prefer to engage with art also shifts um, as kind of how we are able to engage with yeah. art shifts to begin with. Yeah, that's totally true. I think this is that that's kind of like we're at a, um, a crossroads here and I think that's a lot, a lot of it's a it's what curators are kind of like struggling with right now and a lot of museum and gallery people are kind of struggling with that and how to go online and how to bring everything digitally and sell art digitally and you know um give people what they want um specifically what they want and kind of tailor um an experience around that i think it'll be more tailored to personally appeal to the person who's viewing the art or looking to buy art or something and then I think it'll be a little you know it might be a little less room for exploration but I think it's just museum by museum because I think a lot of museums are kind of doing this thing where um, you can do like a virtual tour um, but it's just like specific galleries because I think that you know they, they they're still working on the technology to kind of like get the whole museum or the whole gallery in um, to like you know where it's like a seamless experience so like you're saying I think it's like the you know younger people and generations to come probably will um, know how to use this you know second nature in you know this VR and this kind of like uh, digital way of experiencing the museum and the gallery. So I think it's gonna we'll just see a very <laughs> very interesting. Uh, so I'm really uh, curious about um, so you keep mentioning hinting out how curators are really thinking about um, you mm -hmm. know how to how to provide people with, uh, you know, some version of the museum experience, mm -hmm. but of course they're really struggling with it. Mm -hmm. What mm -hmm. are the main strategies that they're employing? And are they also seeing this as an opportunity to like, um, you know, instead of trying to just reproduce the museum experience, to try to create some new different kind of experience that's, mm -hmm. you know, uh, digital or home accessible. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, that's one thing, I guess, that word accessible that you said is kind of important because I know not everybody has a VR set at home. So that's the one thing is that, you know, you have to realize that you're going to kind of be excluding a certain demographic of people that normally, um, that's one thing I think accessibility is kind of a struggle for, for, um, for curators and museum staff right now because it's you know you can put everything online but not everybody has access to those um to that technology so essentially you know you've kind of lost um a whole group of people that would normally um go to a museum if it was free for them you know if they're a student and they show a student id it's free for them or something but not everybody has a vr headset and really good headphones so it's kind of like i think that's one issue that they're struggling with um, and then another issue would probably be um, just kind of determining how people use the VR, like the user experience, like the UI. It's, I think that's where they're relying a lot on like consultants for UX and UI kind of um, 
programmers and coders and stuff like that, I think it's going to be very, um, you know, they're going to have to kind of learn how that stuff works now. That could be a challenge because, you know, that's not really their area of expertise, like coding and programming and stuff. So I think they, they might need to learn how that works um, in order to be able to, to um, kind of move forward in the digital realm with their with their programming so yeah those are two big ones i think but could be many more that i'm not (laughs) i mean it could also be an opportunity to kind of maybe bring in a very different audience Mm -hmm. uh it might be that it's a really different set of people who are interested in Mm. having a museum virtual experience Mm -hmm. than the people who are interested in going to museums maybe it could be a way of bringing in younger people or people who are more digital whose lives are more digital digital savvy yeah exactly yeah i don't know i I think it's it just depends because it's um, I mean, a lot of the time uh, you can create an experience that you think is uniform, but it may, you know, may not be as easy for, you know, say older people to figure out how to navigate, you know, without the help of somebody or, you know, you can maybe try to create an experience that seems like it's easy to use or, or, or intuitive. But, um, like I said, like the older generation, you know, they may not feel as comfortable navigating that, but also like you're saying, it can, you know, depending on the way that it's presented, um, you can bring art into homes and into people's, um, into people's lives that may not necessarily be accessing, uh, museums. And, um, also even if, if kids are learning from home, um, you're going to have to figure out how to get them all together and to experience the museum together as they normally would, you know, on a field trip, but digitally. So that's kind of a weird thing too that you gotta, they gotta figure that out too. So it's just kind of, I feel like it's, it's definitely challenging, but I think that's what everybody's kind of trying to work through right now. So I guess we'll see what happens. (laughs) Yeah. Do you think that, um, artists, uh, in their art making are also sort of like you know, usually have at the back of their mind the idea mm. that uh, the work's going to be in a gallery or in a museum mm-hmm. kind of setting. Mm-hmm. And do you think that that affects the kinds of works they produce? Mm. Yeah, actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because I was just kind of thinking about that. I was reading about something today that, um, you know, it's always kind of like people are creating art in a different way now um, because they do have the, in the back of their minds, like um, kind of like the idea of what's aesthetic, what, what people are into, I guess, for lack of better words. Um, what the what the most popular aesthetic is and what galleries are looking for and i think maybe it's influencing the way people are making art and it may not be as um free-spirited as it once was but in if you think about you know art of antiquity it was very regimented and very regulated and you know if you didn't paint in a certain way everyone scoffed at you and you didn't you know so um i think i think it uh, nowadays it is a little more um we are a little more lenient but I do think people do have that in the back of their mind, like how am I going to create art that, um, you know, that is that is that is um, kind of following the the trends because um, so many art movements have been uh, adopted and pieces of art movements have influenced people's work that um, I think people are very educated, more educated in art history than they were before. So a lot of people know, you know, what was popular and what people enjoy and what. Um, you know the aesthetic qualities of something are that that is appealing to multiple people so maybe they'll have that kind of idea in mind when creating art or um maybe they'll it'll they'll create arts the that's the antithesis of that because it's you know makes a statement against what people um deem as like um you know aesthetically pleasing or popular to the masses so it's kind of 
I mean, we always have the classics that everybody always agrees on. That this is kind of going to get into an aesthetic debate, which I'll try not to, but... Um, it's the space for it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so, yeah. I know, it's, it's kind of hard to it's kind of hard to gauge because I do think people really do nowadays can have that in the back of their mind when they're creating art um, just because, you know, you have to be cognizant of what you're making. And I think, I think a lot of galleries do kind of pressure artists to create, you know, more like quantity over quality. And they do, high, you know, they do um, hold their work to a certain esteem, but I think a lot of the time gallerists just want uh, paintings. And I think, you know, I, I'm not going to name one of the galleries that I worked at before, um, <laughs> but, you know, the artist went on vacation and, and came back to their studio and, you know, was forced to paint a bunch of paintings for this show. And then they had to send wet paintings, you know, overseas from London to, you know, to make the show on time. And I feel like the artist wasn't really satisfied with the paintings because, you know, they had created the paintings so um, in such a, in such a, you know, race against time. So I think that, you know, there were a few paintings that the artist was very proud of, but then the rest of them were kind of just filler. And I feel like they weren't really like super excited about them. And probably it was because they knew what the audience was going to look for based on their previous shows and, uh, what the gallerist was expecting and that kind of thing. So, so it seems like in your experience, and now we've shifted a bit from museums yeah. to galleries, um, it seems that in your experience, actually, artists are under huge amounts of kind of commercial mm -hmm. pressure and are mm -hmm. often really shaping up their work to, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what will sell. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they're sort of very directly responding to that. Mm -hmm. um, do you think that that compromises the value of their works? Ooh, that's a tough question. I think it does. But... Uh, I think that may be more their internal value to the artist, perhaps. Um, monetarily, I don't know, because I've never been able to, to put a price on, you know, artwork. I don't really know how. It's really the, the way that things are priced is just so, ugh, I just like, I mean, you could, for masterworks, it's easy to, to, to price them because you just go off the comparable value of other artworks that the artist is, um, has, um, has made and how much they've been sold for previously so you know you got to go by the same dimensions and um the auction house pricing and all that kind of stuff and um but i think it is challenging because for the artists because they're creating um i mean this isn't for all artists you know like i said there's a lot of artists that just work to work and i think those artists create maybe they they create more work that's more meaningful to them or it's more true in their artistic like value you know in, intrinsically to the artist because they're not really creating for any specific um purpose but um i think the artists that are represented sometimes they do feel under pressure you know and i, I think that sometimes it's that there's a lot of issues i know with artists and being represented where you know they feel like they need to be represented in order to feel like they've made it but in the reality um you know uh at the end of the day sometimes artists drop off because they just don't you know, kind of their creativity squashed because they, you know, there are these immense pressures that you're that you're suggesting, and it's very um, kind of kind of difficult to um, you know to come to a compromise between because you know the gallerist needs to sell the work, but at the same time, you know, you don't want to turn this person into an art factory. So it's kind of like you know you do lose a little bit of value when you're forcing someone to create if they're not necessarily in like a creative flow or they're not having like a, a um, you know they're not really feeling inspired I feel like the quality of the work yeah could possibly be diminished in their eyes but um, you know sometimes the buyer doesn't really can't really discern a 
a work that someone's made under you know a time constraint as opposed to another work that looks exactly like um you know that the artist feels very positive and happy about so it's yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, we mm. need to wrap up. I think this yeah. leaves us at a really interesting point, though, because it leaves mm -hmm. us at a point where we're sort of seeing how um, the monetary value that's assigned to a work of art and something like its aesthetic value, how mm -hmm. good it is, how creative, how distinctive it is as a work of art, sort of pull in opposite directions. It yeah. can be that um, <laughs> when someone has made it, um, and, you know, so their works are monetarily very valuable. Now, suddenly, uh, they just produce a lot of them. And, you know, they no longer are aesthetically mm -hmm. that valuable because now there's just a formula that's yeah. getting reproduced. So yeah. that seems to be kind of an important tension at the kind of, like, heart yeah. of, like, the art business. It's definitely so, true. That's one thing that I have to say that I've noticed, you know, is that a lot of artists feel that way. And it's unfortunate. But, you know, and I think that, like, that's also one of the challenges of the you know museums and gallery kind of wrapping back to what we were talking about i think it's one of the challenges that museums and galleries are facing now is they don't want to put our artists they don't want to feel like they're putting artists under that pressure that they normally you know were at one time but at the same time like they you know they need to they need to keep the gallery running and so it's kind of like this like tug of war push and pull kind of like give and take relationship so all right yeah. uh thank you so much <laughs> yeah thank you it was great